Bibles, I'd like to direct you to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 1. I must have parenting and kids and children on the, the brain today from the direction that I'm going tonight. 1 Samuel 3 and 1, and we'll read four verses together. If you have that, say amen. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious. We might would say rare now. It was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. Visions were uncommon. Verse 2, and it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And the air, the lamp of God, went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. I'd like to preach from this subject. The word of the Lord was precious. The word of the Lord was precious. Can we put our Bibles down and can we lift our hands right now? And let's ask the Lord to talk to us for a moment, shall we? Lord, in, in this spring break time, God, and people traveling and coming and going and weather changes, I pray that our hearts would be lifted towards you tonight, that we would consider your word, that it would minister to our hearts, and we give you praise. We thank you for your word and for your touch. And everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Samuel is among a select few Bible characters in that we know his life story from the cradle to the grave. His mother, Hannah, was a remarkable woman of persistence and faith. For many years, she could not have a child, and this was a source of heartache in her life. She desperately wanted a child. And she went into the tabernacle, and she wept and prayed unto the Lord. She was begging for a miracle son. In fact, her prayers were so emotional that Eli the priest assumed that she was drunk, and he tried to correct her. But her emotion was not artificial. It was genuine. It was an outburst of grief. And during that time of prayer, in that sacred moment, she made a solemn vow unto the Lord. She said, Lord, if you will but grant me a son, I will give him back to you, and he will be dedicated to you for the rest of his life. And she kept that promise by bringing him to live at the temple at a very young age. When we dedicate our children to the Lord, it must be more than just empty words and broken commitments. Promises must be kept and sacrifices must be made. She did not back out of her promise or falter in her determination. Her miracle child, whom she loved with an unspeakable love, was surrendered fully to the service of the Lord. If you want to understand the heart of a little boy, 
I found that you don't have to look much further than the heart of his mother. It's clear that much of Samuel's sensitivity towards spiritual things was learned from his mother. Samuel dedicated an entire chapter in his book to his mother's prayer of praise. She said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for mine enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me, Lord. No one is holy like you, Lord. There is no one beside you, Lord. There is no rock like our God. She didn't just take him to the temple to worship. She showed him how to worship. She didn't just tell him about worship. She demonstrated worship to him. She didn't just get her miracle and forget about God, but she modeled godly gratitude in a way that impacted Samuel for the rest of his life. But Samuel was not living in a time of revival or righteousness. There was sin in the house of God, and it was corrupting Israel. Eli had two wicked sons, Hophni and Phineas. They were committing terrible acts of immorality right at the tabernacle gates. They dishonored the sacrifices and they made a mockery of their priestly duties. It was so repugnant and it was so promiscuous that it's difficult for me to even describe what they were doing in this kind of setting. They were unrepentant and they stirred the wrath of God. To make matters worse, Eli knew that all of this was happening and he did not remove them from their duties. God even spoke to Eli and warned him that judgment was surely coming if he did not do something and do it quickly. But still, Eli turned a complacent blind eye to the wickedness of his children. And because the house of God was weak, and corrupted, idolatry spread throughout the land of Israel. People were trying to worship Jehovah and Baal at the same time. And it was during this time of spiritual weakness that the Philistines first gained a foothold against God's people. And if you remember, the Philistines became a plague, a blight against the people of God. For many, many ages to come. All of this was fomenting. All of this was happening. While Samuel was still just a very young child. His mother must have known about the scandal that was taking place at the tabernacle. Because it was common knowledge to everyone. But she did something that I find very interesting. And this particular verse has always captured my attention. Every year when she would travel back to the tabernacle to pray and offer sacrifices to God, she would come back also with the anticipation and the excitement of getting to visit her little miracle child one more time. And every year she would prepare a priestly garment, a coat for her son. And she would bring little Samuel a coat like the coat that a priest would wear. This verse has always caught my eye because it demonstrates the love and the wisdom of a mother 
in a profoundly impactful way. Hannah was reaffirming to her little child of God that he could be priestly even if everyone around him was corrupted. He could be anointed when everyone else was just appointed. He could be holy when everyone else was being horrible. She was designating with that one small act that her son was special, separated, sanctified, and dedicated. Can I just preach to some parents for a moment here and remind us that what our children wears matters. We ought to dress them holy. We ought to dress them for what we believe they will become and not what the world says they are. And I'm just going to preach for a minute here. I'm tired of the world dressing little innocent children like they've come right out of Hollywood off the pages of some ungodly magazine. We need a revival of parents who prepare modest garments for their children and say, you don't have to be like this world. You don't have to listen to what Hollywood tells you beautiful looks like you don't have to worry about what everybody else is doing because you are holy you are sanctified you are set apart you are peculiar you are a child of God this would be a good place for somebody to go ahead and nod your head and say amen preacher we are raising a generation of apostolics who are not a part of this world they're pilgrims passing through on their way to something bigger on their way to something better they're on a journey to a higher calling praise the Lord hallelujah Samuel she must have said you don't have to be like those other boys don't worry about what Hophni and Phineas are doing don't worry about the mistakes of Eli because you're a miracle child. The hand of God is on your life. The anointing is stirring in your life, Samuel. You may not understand everything God has for you. You may not understand exactly what the future holds, but you can know that God is on your side. You can trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, Samuel, because God God is bigger than the failures of your generation. And because all of this sin, and because of all of this unrighteousness, the backsliding, the scandal, the word of God was precious. And visions were uncommon. In other words, the ministry was carnal. And the people were carnal. And God was not communicating freely. To hear the voice of God was like finding precious metal or a rare diamond. To hear the voice of God was valuable and much needed. It was coveted to hear the voice of God. There was no powerful prophetic voice or flow of anointing in the early days of Samuel's childhood. There were lots of religious people, but there were not many anointed people. And I'm going to tell you that sounds like our day right now. There's lots of religious people, but there's not very many anointed people. Oh, and as Samuel lay near the Ark of the Covenant, with the glow of the candle,
beside him. He could hear a voice calling him in the middle of the night. Now, because Samuel was just a boy and he had never heard the voice of God before, he didn't know exactly what was going on. And so he ran to Eli and said, Eli, did you call for me? And Eli said, no, go back to bed, Samuel. I, I didn't call for you. Three times God spoke to Samuel. And three times Samuel ran to Eli and said, Eli, did you call for me? And finally, Eli realized that something supernatural was happening. So he told little Samuel, if you hear the voice again, I want you to say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And finally, that little boy went back to his bed and he laid there anticipating a voice. And suddenly the voice came and spoke to him by name. And he responded, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Now, God bypassed all of the adults. God bypassed all of the other Levites. God bypassed all of the religious people, all of the mighty men of war. And he found a little child who had been dedicated to ministry by his loving mother. In a day when God was not speaking, he had to find a young person who would listen and obey. But first he had to find a mother who was desperate enough to give her child completely and totally to God. Now, I don't know if you've ever paid close attention to what God actually said to Samuel or not. Usually we kind of stop after the speak, Lord, thy, thy servant heareth. Usually that's kind of the end of the story in our minds. But the very first prophetic word that God gave to Samuel as a young boy was a message of judgment for the house of Eli because his sons had made themselves vile and Eli was complacent. I want you to put yourself in that situation for a moment. Most theologians tend to believe that Samuel was about 11 or 12 years old when God gave him that very first prophecy. Can you imagine being 12 years old and God audibly speaking to you in the middle of the night. And when you responded back to God. The first thing that he spoke to you. Was a message of judgment. For you to go to the person. In direct authority over your life. And say God wants me to tell you something. That's hard for me to say. In fact the scripture makes it very clear. That Samuel was afraid to go. And talk to Eli about it. And in fact. The Bible tells us that Samuel didn't sleep all night long. And I don't think any of us would have slept all night long in that same situation. He couldn't get any sleep. And the next morning, Eli knew that something supernatural had happened. So he approached Samuel and said, I want you to tell me exactly what God said. Don't leave anything out. Make sure you give me every detail. And so Samuel told him all of the details of the judgment that was surely coming from God because of the sins of Hophni and Phinehas. It was such a scary prophecy. 
It must have impacted Samuel for the rest of his life. But he did, and it came true. I'll tell you why I believe the Lord laid this message on my heart. And it is because revival and the things of God happen in seasons and generational cycles. There are complacent generations. There are backslidden generations. And there are revival generations. I believe that God is in the midst of calling and raising up parents and young people who will be faithful to the Lord's word and connected to the supernatural voice of God. Young people who want nothing to do with the compromising spirit of Hophni and Phinehas or the complacent Laodicean spirit of Eli. They are tired of the word of the Lord being rare and they are weary of visions being uncommon. They're tired of outpourings of the Holy Ghost being a once in a while thing. They want the floodgates of heaven to be opened and for God to pour out a blessing that cannot be contained. They don't want to just hear the voice of God once in a while. They want to experience a deep personal relationship with God. They want to wake up in the middle of the night and talk to God all night long. They want to walk and talk with Jesus. They want to pray until their knees hurt. They want the anointing and the touch and the power and the flow of the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to be very honest with you here for just a moment. I believe in many ways and this is not an indictment against everyone in my generation. For those who listen on the podcast, I acknowledge that there are many people in my age category who are wonderful, godly people who are holding a standard and believe the truths of God's Word. But I could literally count on both hands the very few people who I graduated Bible college with who are still standing for the Word of God today. And I want you to know that the spirit of Hophni and Phinehas has gotten a hold of my generation and I rebuke it in Jesus name but I'm going to tell you what God has been dealing with me about there are Samuels waiting in the wings there are Samuels who have been dedicated by loving mothers and fathers who believe the word of God with all of their hearts they're worshipers they're praisers they're prayer warriors they're people of faith they love righteousness they love holiness they're not turning away from God and they have dedicated their children to the tabernacle and Samuel is about to get a voice in the middle of the night saying I've got a word for your generation I've got a word for your culture I've got a word for your church I've got a word for your family I've got a word for your community somebody ought to believe in the next generation that God is raising up young people I know it's a Sunday night and I know it's spring break and I know we're tired and it's not my goal to get us running the aisles. I'm preaching a little unique for me tonight, but I'm going to tell you what apostolic tabernacle absolutely must not do. We must not get so cynical that we write off children and say the children won't serve God. The children won't make a difference. The children will backslide. The children will never be what their parents are. I want you to know there are kids sitting in this building right now who are going to be greater than their parents. They're going to have more faith than their father. They're going to have more anointing than their mother. 
They're going to pray more than we've ever prayed. They're going to shake the foundations with their praise. They're going to set the world on fire with revival. They're going to reform their churches. They're going to reform their neighborhoods. They're going to reform their families. If any elders believe it tonight, I wish you'd just lift up your voice and thank God for Samuels. Little Samuels that are growing up. They're walking with the Lord. They don't have it all figured out. They're not perfect right now. Sometimes God speaks to them and they don't even understand what's happening. Sometimes they feel the touch of God and they're not even sure exactly what's going on. They need an elder to say, go back, go back. And next time it happens, honey, you just open up your mouth and say, Lord, go ahead and talk to me. Your servant is right here I'm just a child but I want to hear your voice Lord we've got to lose the cynicism that says they'll never be better than the previous generations I want you to know there are Samuels they're going to set the world on fire. They're going to bring the ark back. They're going to fight the Philistines. They're going to anoint a David. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. They're going to live a life of faith. They're going to preach the word with boldness. They're going to stand on the promises of God. They're going to see a revival of holiness and righteousness in a wicked, perverse, promiscuous generation saturated with Hollywood. I'm telling you, Hollywood is not bigger than the call of God. Hollywood is not bigger than a Samuel who hears the voice of God in the still of the night. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is raising them up. God is working. They don't want the gods of Hollywood or the fables of philosophy or the hollow promises from Washington. They want the word of the Lord. I believe that God is raising up a last day generation. Let me say that again. I believe that God is raising up a last day generation. Let me say that again. I believe that God is raising up a last day generation. Some of you are just now waking up. I hope you're not this sleepy when the rapture takes place. I hope you're awake and ready. God is raising up a last day generation because the time is short. We don't have very long. And they may not make it to 45, 65, or 75. They might be 12 years old preaching the gospel, setting the world on fire, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover because hey Jesus said if you won't praise me the rocks will cry out Jesus will look at a wicked generation that has turned their back on God and say if the religious adults won't listen to my voice I'll get a little child who's sensitive to the call of God and I'll raise him up while everybody else is golfing and playing games and watching TV praise God God will find a generation. Make no mistake about it. There will always be a church. There will always be a sanctified people. There will always be a holy people. There will always be a peculiar people. It doesn't matter if complacency grips one generation. It's a tragedy for that generation. And it wreaks havoc in many ways. But it does not limit the power of God. 
It does not thwart the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And God, oh, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to claim this promise. This is a prophetic word from God. There are children sitting on these pews. They can't even sit still right now because their attention span hasn't developed. They can't even hardly pay attention during church because their attention span hasn't fully developed. But make no mistake about it. God is working in their life. God is moving in their heart God has a plan for their future little girls are going to be examples to this world of what the beauty of holiness looks like little boys who are going to teach this world how to pray even when they're trying to kick prayer completely out of school children who will be brave in a culture that says you're brave if you do everything that is ungodly and unholy and they tell you you're strange and unusual if you just speak the name of Jesus there's going to be kids that boldly walk into school and say in Jesus name I claim this territory for the kingdom of God in Jesus name I don't have to live like everybody else lives in Jesus name I don't have to think like everybody else thinks in Jesus name I will be more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus hallelujah And there's going to be godly fathers and mothers who are wise enough to see the dangers of the culture around them, sometimes even infiltrating the church, that say, I... I'm going to prepare a code of righteousness. I'm going to bring the sacrifice of praise unto the house of the Lord. I'm going to make sure my children are in the house of God. Every single opportunity I can find. Because my child, my children is dedicated unto the Lord. And I want there to be anointing in their life. I want them to walk in power. I don't want them to be stagnant. I want them to have a authority in the Holy Ghost. They don't know how to praise yet, so I'm going to show them how to praise. They don't know how to shout yet, so I'm going to show them how to shout. They don't know how to pray, so I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to show them how to pray. They don't know how to have faith, so I'm going to show them how to have faith. They've never heard the voice of God, and so I'm going to talk to them and tell them, honey, when God speaks you've got to be ready you've got to listen because when God begins to deal with you I want you to be equipped to respond in obedience to the voice of God stand with me all across this building I'll tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight I feel an urgent need For apostolic tabernacle to not be in too big of a hurry. I didn't preach very long. There's absolutely no reason that we could not come to these altars as parents and grandparents. And travail for our children for just a few moments. I think a Hannah...
ought to run to this altar and pray over her family right now in Jesus' name. I think a godly father and grandfather ought to just run to this altar and spend a few moments travailing. There are dangers lurking everywhere. We know that carnality is running rampant. We know that the devil desires to have our children, but Hannah's not going to let it happen because Hannah has dedicated her miracle child to the Lord. Some fathers and mothers ought to get a hold of their children if they're here tonight. You ought to lay hands over your children and say we're going to pray in Jesus' name. God's going to use you. God's going to anoint you. God is going to do great things in your life. You may not make it to 40. Jesus might come back. But God can use you even as a young child. God can anoint you. The world might just look and say you're too young. But God can speak to your heart. The world might say that you're nothing special. But God can speak to you. Are there any prayer warriors in the house tonight? Are there any travailers in the house tonight? Some of you are praying for prodigals right now. Just go ahead and travail for a prodigal right now in the name of Jesus. It's not too late for the prodigals to come home. Their story is not over. A prodigal can make his way back to the father's house. Draw my prey. Draw my prey. Draw my prey. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Ha ha ha. 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 Ha 